nine rounds of golf for $90? Yep. The Minnesota Golf Passport is back and available now at garagelogic.com. As a golf passport card holder, you're entitled to nine 18 whole rounds of golf for just one low price of $90. Supplies are limited, so just go to garagelogic.com and type keyword passport. A $300 golf value for just 90 bucks. Now you got it. GarageLogic.com. Keyword passport. Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic <coughs> Podcast number 267, November 14th, 2019. It got to as high as 71 degrees on this day in 1990. And it was as low as zero in 1919. And exciting news coming up later. I do have ice in dates. Oh, good. I knew you'd all be excited. Fantastic. Dang it. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production. Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the Newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your Flashlight King, Fireworks Commissioner, and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. Rick uh, Grosshong in Edmond, Oklahoma writes, listening to today's story, meaning yesterday, about Greta Thunberg sailing back to Europe. I have one question. We missed this. How did her dad get to the United States? He didn't come with her, and he must not have sailed, or the media would have given him that uh, story. My only conclusion is that he flew over. So rather than just flying her home, he flew over so he could sail back with her, just asking questions, pushing back. Rick in Edmond, Oklahoma. I want to read you something. I can't wait because I love it so much. I want to start the show with it. I'm not going to tell you who wrote this. Until I'm done reading it. Pay rapt attention. I was alerted to this by Zip, huh? Yeah, Zip was one of the guys, too. Uh, It's called An Open Letter to Greta Thunberg. You are not a moral leader, but I will tell you what you are. And and, and again, I'll tell you who wrote this when I I conclude, because uh, suffice to say, this is not written by the mayor of Garage Logic, although I would be proud to have written it. Although my critics would have lambasted me for it. (laughs) Greta Thunberg... You have declared yourself a leader and said that your generation will start a revolution. You have comforted yourself as a credentialed adult. I'm sorry. You have comported yourself as a credentialed adult and climate change activist who has fearlessly addressed politicians and world leaders. You have dropped out of school and declared that there isn't any reason to attend or any reason for you to study since there will be no future for you to inherit. You have, rather than attend your classes, been leading Friday climate strikes for all students in your generation across the globe. Your attendance at oil pipelines has been striking. There, you unequivocally declare that all oil needs to remain in the ground where it belongs. I shall therefore, against the backdrop of your activism, address you as an adult rather than as a child. In September of 2019, you crossed the Atlantic in a zero-carbon racing yacht that had no toilet and electric light on board. You made an impassioned plea at the United Nations in which you claimed that we have stolen your dreams and your childhood with our empty words. You claimed that adults and world leaders come to young people for answers and explained in anger, how dare you? You claimed that we are failing you and that young people are beginning to understand our betrayal. You further declared that if we continue to fail your generation, we will never forgive you. 
You have stated that you want us to panic and to act as if our homes are on fire. You insist that rich countries must reduce to zero emissions immediately. In your speeches, you attack economic growth and have stated that our current climate crisis is caused by buying and building things. You call for climate justice and equity without addressing the worst polluter on the planet, China, the country that is economically annexing much of Africa and Latin America. You dare not lecture Iran about its uranium projects because that's not part of the UN's agenda, is it? You proclaim that we need to live within planetary boundaries to focus on equity and take a few steps back for the sake of all living species. You resent the hierarchical distinctions between human and animals and entertain no qualitative distinction between a monkey, a malaria-infested mosquito, and a snarling hyena. You mouth slogans such as, we have set in motion an irreversible chain reaction beyond control. And you advocate for universal veganism on the Ellen DeGeneres show. You do not buy new, new clothes and you do not want the rest of us to either. You want us to all stop flying in jet planes without giving us an alternative as to how we would retransform our financial and trading systems to say nothing of our personal enjoyment of the world without regression to a primeval era. Few can afford to cross the Atlantic in a $6 million zero-carbon yacht financed by rich people who made their wealth by the very means you condemn as loathsome. <laughs> there are a few things that we, the rational adults of the world who are not bowing to you, to you like guilt-ridden, obsequious babbits, need to say to you, Greta. <clears throat> First, we did not rob you of your childhood or of your dreams. You are the legatee of a magnificent technological civilization which my generation and the one before it and several others preceding it all the way to the Industrial Revolution and the Renaissance bequeathed to you. That growth-driven capitalist technological civilization has created the conditions for you to harangue us over our betrayal. It is a civilization that eradicated diseases such as smallpox from the world and that lifted millions out of abject poverty in a universe you think is dying and decaying. It assured you a life expectancy that exceeded that of your ancestors most likely by forecasting, for, focusing on economic growth, which you demonize in scientific advancement, that civilization will further enhance a robust quality of life and health for your descendants. Here is a hard truth to ponder, Greta. If the great producers of this world, whom you excoriate, were to withdraw their productivity, wealth, and talents, in short, their minds from the world today, your generation would simply perish. Why? Because as children, you have done nothing with your lives besides being born. That is what we expect of children until such time as they can be producers by learning from their elders. You are understandably social and ecological ballast. You are not yet cognitively advanced to replicate the structures of survival of which you are the beneficiaries. Children are important installments in the future. We have invested in you. It is you and your smug generation which think they have nothing to learn from the older ones who are f uh, failing themselves. Whom do you expect to employ the majority of you if you have neither the job credentials or life competency skills to navigate the world? The future unemployable, skipping school on Friday, obstreperous children? The truth, as one anonymous, anonymous blogger aptly put it, is that your generation is unable to work up to 40 hours per week without being chronically depressed and anxious. Its members cannot even decide if they want to be a boy or a girl or both or neither or a they. They cannot eat meat without crying. I might add that your generation needs trigger warnings and safe spaces as preconditions for learning in school. 
Its members have a pathological need to be coddled and protected from the challenging realities of life. Your generation is the biggest demander and consumer of carbon-spewing technological gadgets and devices. An hour without any of them and too many of you succumb to paralyzing lethargy. Your generation is the least curious and most insular set of individuals one has ever encountered. Your hubris intends so far that you think you have nothing to learn from your elders. Yes, we have betrayed you by capitulating the world leadership to bored, attention-deficit children who spout bromides, platitudes, and slogans that a rudderless and morally relativistic culture accepts because a significant number of its denizens have become intellectually bankrupt and morally lazy. The logical endpoint of your ecological vision would see us living in primeval conditions, eking out an existence in jungle, in jungle swamps, in which we would regard poisonous snakes and man-eating tigers as our moral equals. We would have to adapt ourselves to nature rather than adapt nature to meet our needs, like all members of civilizations do. Your vision would see us foraging for mushrooms and plants without knowing which were inimical to our digestive systems. Under your system, we would swelter from heat, die from rampant plagues and starvation because there will be no air conditioning, no sophisticated plumbing and irrigation and sewer systems, no antibacterial soap made from animal matter, no pesticides and chemicals to sanitize our food and drinking supplies. Just one primordial swamp of human putrefaction putrefaction. Mm. If civilization is left in the hands of your eco-fascist supporters, we will be living in grass huts, drinking animal feces-infested water, and shrinking in fear from polar bears instead of killing them for food when they attack us. Greta, living in complete harmony with nature is the death of creativity. Understand this. All great civilizations were forged in the crucibles of proper exploitation of the earth. Those who lived on land with oil and did nothing with it never had a right to it in the first place. Non-usage of God's resources is the cardinal sin because it results in the undevelopment of our human capabilities and makes us undistinguishable from beasts. Your generation needs to be taught the morality of wealth creation rather than only parasitically benefiting from it. The only revolution you will lead is one in denialism and civilization regression. You need to learn about the moral case for fossil fuel. You owe it to yourself to understand how, as Kathleen Hartnett White has detailed, the harnessing of the vast store of concentrated energy and fossil fuels allowed mankind for the first time in human history, to escape intractable constraints and energy limits that left all but the very privileged in total poverty and depravity. Before the Industrial Revolution, all societies were dependent on a very limited flow of solar energy captured in living plants for substance, for substance needs such as food, fuel, and shelter. But we, the creative enterprises, will not go back to the Dark Ages. Your philosophy can summed up as follows. What was good for my anthropoid ancestors is good for me. Do not rock the boat or even build one as that will require cutting down a tree. Do not disrupt nature. Do not dare to see the earth as rightly belonging to us. We don't have the right to use our brains in a manner that can transform our needs into a material form. Let's conveniently forget that production is the application of reason to the problems of survival. Let's all diminish the grandeur of man and his luminous potential. Crush the Thomas Edisons of this world. The apocalyptic world vision you hold has been a strip landing for those who have hated progress throughout history. Your apocalyptic predictions have been made for millennia, and we're still here. We will still be here long after you've grown up, and we have forgiven you for skipping classes, thereby lowering the intelligence quotient of an entire generation. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah.
written by James D. Hill, professor of philosophy at DePaul University in Chicago and a Shulman Journalism Fellow at the David Horowitz Freedom Center. His areas of specialization include ethics, social and political philosophy, American foreign policy, and American politics. He is the author of several books, including We Have Overcome, An Immigrant's Letter to the American People. Jason D. Hill, professor of philosophy at DePaul University. And I, it occurs to me that uh, he took a bold stance in writing this because this would go against the grain of the failed academy. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. This this young woman needs to go away and go back to school. It's just dreadful that she's being canonized. Just dreadful. He's a real. Did you do any research on him? Very interesting guy. Yeah, well, let's very interesting. Let's get him guy. on the air. I'm going to call him. What do you I'll know? Call him after the show. What do you know about him, Joe? Uh, John. Well, he, I, as I was reading up on him, he's an immigrant from Jamaica. Moved here in 1985. He's gay. Uh, oh, then we're not here. Yeah, we can't have him on. Sorry. It's really... <laughs> uh, he's written on various things because, uh, as you said, Joe, he is uh, a uh, the fellow. Pro- professor. Yes. Uh, uh, racism. He has interesting uh, views. He has uh, views on Chicago street violence, which are very interesting, on gay marriage, on Palestine. He got in trouble once before, apparently, uh, when he defended Israel against the Palestinians, and mm-hmm. students had him censured. Oh, of course, because they did. of a piece he wrote back well, in April of this year. This could result in his firing. And why should we wait to get him on? Why not call him right now? Eleven miles away from DePaul. What? Eleven point seven, actually. What is Northwestern? Is it? Call him right now. Let's let's get the Jason ball. Jason D. Hill. Let, let's go. Go here. to DePaul, Rook. I should have done this before the show. I Jason apologize. D. But in assembling the show sometimes, I, I have so much to gather that I don't stop I'm gonna, and make a call. I, I, I'm going to print about 10, of, 10 copies of so that my, and just hand them out to people. Me too. And uh, the first thing I do as soon as this podcast is posted, I'm going to listen to that again. Yeah. That's the most amazing uh, rebuttal, speech, letter, whatever you want to call it, I, I've ever heard. But every word of it is true. Yeah. Every word of it is true. Yeah, and it's what we've all been feeling but unable to put into words. No, we've all held ourselves back because she's 16. <laughs> right. I've gotten some really nasty emails from people saying, that's typical of you that you would attack a kid. Right. Well, we've been very no. careful about right. going after her. Right. Been very careful. But she's the one who's made herself this important. And as he says, look, based on what you're claiming, and I'll, I'll be glad to respond to you as an adult. Right. Just as she's made her travel so germane to her activism, I think we're well within our bounds to monitor how she travels. He is on Twitter, too, at Jason D. Hill 6. And uh, I'm looking him up right now. Sounds like, like he's leaving a voicemail. Yeah. Yeah. We're all distracted by Chris. <laughs> I was hoping he had him on the line. It sounds like he's leaving a voicemail. Yeah. Well, I'll keep that to the side. Well, he's receiving much praise on Twitter as a result of his uh, piece. <clears throat> what do you say, Reeves? He's a voicemail. God, you guys are as bad as Ricey. <laughs> what? What? Are you on the phone? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, we are waiting for your answer. I left him a voicemail uh, at his uh, university phone line. Mm-hmm. Well, my hat's off to the fellow. It's what we all think. He just did it very, very eloquently. Why is that light on? Mm-hmm. The map below indicates the earliest lake ice in dates found in data archived oh. by the DNR and the MPCA. 
A marker is created for those lakes with ice in data whose period of record spans 20 or more years. Uh, and I have a I have a lake ice in map. We've had in my oh area. We've had ice for three weeks now. The always available fishermen on an ice floe in Red Lake had to be rescued again. Every yeah. year, those knuckleheads go out and the ice breaks off, and they stand there, wondering what the hell they're doing. Then uh, they got to be rescued. I've I've been walking around on the uh, on the smaller bodies of water already too. Mm-hmm. Well, you know perfectly well, it's a Minnesota mantra: the ice is not safe yet. Hell ice no. is never hundred percent no. safe. You guys tried to tell me that when I have eighteen inches of ice and. I'm out there with tractors and trailers and trucks. and. Well, I said the other day, though, when you were gone, who, who wants to be the first guy out there? I do. Really? Always. Why? Because uh, it's Hillbilly Pride. It's, re- <laughs> it's Redneck Pride. Hillbilly Pride. Yeah. yeah That's no, got to be a song. It's Redneck Pride. Okay. All right. What, what, what would the Minnesota term be for Redneck Pride or Hillbilly Pride? Well, Hillbilly is evocative of the South. South, yeah. Right. Redneck is evocative of the South. But we need a term for... People of your ilk. My, uh, <laughs> people like you. You people. You people. You people, you people as Don Cherry would say. <laughs> the, uh, the deer my, my son shot fell down really close to a pothole, and instead of dragging it through the woods, we dragged it down on the ice. So it's two adults and uh, a fairly nice-sized buck that we're dragging on the ice, and you can feel the ice kind of bowling under yeah. us, kind of sinking down, and, nope. and uh, making creaking noises and cracking. And uh, finally, I just I went up to shore and I let my kid pull it on the ice. But were you walking near shore? Oh, with within five. Feet. And if you'd gone through, how deep would it have been? Uh, up to your knees? Yeah, knee deep, and yeah. probably another foot of muck. But yeah, yeah it would it would have yeah. just been cold feet. It would have been problematic, but not death defying. Would have made me crabby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What well, what's your excuse yeah. right you now? We're nowhere near a lake. <laughs> you mean er? Yeah, crabbier. You're you're right. We had Venice in the news yesterday with its uh, mayor claiming climate change is ruining Venice. They have yet to reach the record level of flooding, which was established in 1966, or for all we know, in 1500. Uh, But I got a great uh, note from Mo, who said the news gatherers would like us to believe that climate change is responsible for the worst flooding in Venice in 50 years. They failed to mention that Venice is sinking and has been for years due to pumping the aquifer aquifer dry below the city. Here is the link, and this is from LiveScience.com. Venice is sinking and tilting. What is it sinking about? Sea level rise isn't the only thing that has Venice's famous canals rising ever so slightly every year. The city is also sinking. You want to know what it's sinking about? Yeah. What's it sinking about? Sorry. <laughs> you... <laughs> well, we've only played that ad 100,000 times on the show. The city is also sinking in contrast to previous studies that suggested the city's subsidence had stabilized. The study's findings also show that the Italian city is slowly tilting to the east, something scientists had never noticed before. Uh, I won't read the whole thing. It goes on and on and on. It's been done by uh, Yehuda Bach, a research geodesist, never heard of that, with the Scripps Foundation of Oceanography at the University of Cali, California, San Diego, and La Jolla, California. <laughs> La Jolla. That's how I would read it. Oh, oh I'm sorry. That'd yeah. be La Jolla. La Jolla. Yeah. <laughs> but the new study detailed in the March 28 issue of the journal Geochemistry, Geophysics, Geosystems used a combination of measurement techniques 
that provided data on both the absolute and relative shifts in elevation of the area, along with GPS measurements and space-borne radar data. So uh, basically, it's sinking, and the more it sinks, which is minimally, obviously, one to two millimeters a year, uh, the more likely it is to flood. Are we all this here is my sector. This here is the most important thing for the That and Mayday, mayday. Hello, can you hear us? Can you hear us? Can you... Over. We are sinking. We are sinking. Hello? This is the German Coast Guard. We are sinking. We're sinking. What are you thinking about? <laughs> <laughs> Every time. Oh my gosh. It's fantastic. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, in any event, there's your there's your Venice so, story. Okay, so there That ain't climate change, the damn city's sinking. <laughs> so what are they doing? They're they're pumping water out? Uh, yeah, I guess they're depleting the aquifer, I suppose, for drinking water and lives okay. and washing and Bathing and the whole deal, cooking. Mm-hmm, yeah, and, and uh, I did see pictures. It is weird to see the. It's just overflowing. There was some. Uh, I think it was three women. Don't know if they were related to each other, but they were interviewed by. I believe it was ABC News. That were there on their vacation. Oh. You know, they're wearing the hip waders. Like we don't care. We, we came here to see the city. Wow. I'd love to go to Venice. I'd love to stand in the middle of St. Mark's Square. Mm. Oh Lord! Feed the seagulls. Yeah, I like feeding the geese, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> can we go back to Professor Hill? Jason D. Hill. How is he going to be shouted down? How is this yeah, going to be? Right. How, how is, how I don't is think he gonna he's be going to be treated by the uh, the celebrities that are way smarter than all of us? I, I don't think they'll read it. What uh, kind of rebuttal is, is, is going to be? Well, who routinely reads uh, frontpagemag.com? Go to frontpagemag.com. What kind of website is that? Well, right? then my second question would be, how do we get this in front of their faces? I mean, uh, not just say, um, what's the... Uh, what's the conservative TV channel Fox? Uh, yeah, not just Fox. How do we get this? Well, on CNN, CNN won't or, read it. MNS. They won't read it. It 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 flies in the face of their agenda. Even though it comes straight from the failed academy. Well, no, from, not only not only the academy, but uh, 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 a, a gay black man, and they'll still reject it. Sure. Front Page Magazine is an online right-wing political website edited by David Horowitz and published by the David Horowitz Freedom Center. So that alone will have them... Disqualify them. Yeah. Right. And they're in Sherman Oaks, California. Well, what has he said that's not truthful in that piece? Nothing. He took her to task. We've always said about the Mysterians or in the case of the Greta Thunbergs, what period of history would you like us to return to Mm -hmm. when you make the false assumption that man was in harmony with nature? There has never been a time when man is in harmony with nature. And as Hill points out, it is man's moral obligation to not necessarily be in harmony with nature, but to figure out how to benefit from nature and use it and use what nature provides. And if we sit idle, what happens? We this, do nothing? This, this young lady is a, a, a cur, a dreadful cur. She's a, she's a lazy young person, like he says, who has no interest in working uh, what I like about this, he manages to figure out a way to indict her generation. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. But I'm afraid it's just, it's within a month, uh, it'll just, it'll be gone and forgotten and uh, nobody will have, of import will have read this. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you to him for writing it and I bet he'll call us back. I hope so. It'd be great to hear from him. We'll be back in a moment.
Ricey here with the Canopy Group Facts. Number one, the Canopy Group writes more new business in one month than a captive insurance agent writes in three years. How is that possible? Let's share other facts to answer that question. Number two, the Canopy Group offers 16 different insurance companies, not just one. Number three, the Canopy Group offers combined single limit coverage, not split limit coverage. Number four, the Canopy Group offers only one deductible at claim time, not two or three or four or more. Number five, at renewal, the Canopy Group shops your insurance with their 15 other companies every year. Captives can't do this because they have only one company. So, if you have your insurance with one of the captive agents, remember they don't have any other options for you. Call 800-967-3389 or visit thecanopygroup.com. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores Sifting through the nuts and bolts of life Joe Suchere Dear GL Crew My family and I took a trip to Whitewater, Wisconsin this past weekend To visit my son's friend in college On the way, we made sure to stop in o- into Eau Claire And have breakfast at the coffee grounds I had the biscuits and gravy that Kenny raves about My wife had the buttermilk pancakes And my son, the all-American breakfast wrap. None of us were disappointed. The pancakes were nothing like we've ever had before and were fantastic. As you guys do, when one of you goes to Grundhofer's Meat Market, I texted a buddy of mine at work to let him know I was there. He politely asked me if I would pick up a pound of the Spoon Lake blend for him while I was there. I did so, and he gladly paid me Tuesday when I saw him again at work. Thank you to the Coffee Grounds for sponsoring GL, as well as the trip to Eau Claire. And that's just one of many, many letters we we get uh, regarding our clients, a- including the coffeegrounds.com in Eau Claire. That comes from uh, Jeff Pedro, and uh, we thank him and his family for that. Uh, the Coffee Grounds in Eau Claire, they're uh, helping us out with Christmas this year uh, with a great gift idea. It's called the Beer Advent Calendar. Every day in December, you can count down to December 25th with one unique beer that will be enjoyed and accompanied by a short description on the actual date of the calendar. If you go to thecoffeegrounds.com, you'll find full information, but basically, I can dumb it down for you. You'll receive a case of 24 from the U.S. and around the world, seasonal, limited releases, and even some cellared beers are on the calendar. Uh, The beans, though, that's what it's all about for me because I am a coffee snob, and I really, really love their wonderful blends of beans, and I've, I've... even though we have our own b- beans, uh, we have the GL blend, the Krabby Coffee Shop blend, the Spoon Lake blend, and of course the uh, decaf dark roasted Johnny Hyde guitar blend. I've I've delved into their other beans, and let me tell you, their French roast is really, really good. The Coffee Grounds, they're located in Eau Claire, just a block or so north of 94 on Southtown Drive. You need to swing in, and <laughs> you're going to have to... Put it on the schedule because you'll end up staying there all day. So allow yourself an hour, maybe two. Otherwise, the whole day will slip away. They have a brewery, a bar, and like uh, Jeff said, the best biscuits and gravy in all of Wisconsin, thecoffeegrounds.com. We had a school shooting this morning in Saugus High School in Santa Clarita, California, in the Los Angeles area. According to the Daily Mail, which gets onto these things sooner than most American newspapers, the suspect was described as an Asian male in dark clothing. I have now uh, heard that he is, or read that he is uh, dead. Mm. Seven injured. 
uh, no reporting of a weapon here. I don't know what kind of weapon. It just says gunfire erupted inside a California high school Thursday this Thursday morning, leaving at least seven people injured, two critically, 7.45 a.m. Pacific time at Saugus High School on Centurion Way in Santa Clarita. And, and in hoping to find out more uh, of what kind of weapon was used, because the, the weapons seem important to these stories, did he go in with something that fired semi-automatically, for example? I can't find it anywhere, so I went to the Los Angeles Times, and the only distinction between these two, two stories I found was uh, Los Angeles Times reports at least seven people were injured too critically in a shooting at Saugus High School when a gunman opened fire. The shooting was reported at the campus at 7.40 a.m., according to the Sheriff's Department. Uh, several uh, students hid in the choir room. The, uh, the well, the suspect is described as a 15-year-old boy wearing a black hat and black clothing. So whereas the Daily Mail identified it as a young Asian male, the Los Angeles Times described it as a 15-year-old boy. And the only reason I mention that is because I think when you have a school shooting, every descriptor possible should be engaged, mm-hmm. every descriptor possible. And I, I, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not germane to the topic of these tragedies to, to harangue the newspaper for its, for its uh, political sensitivities, but they're, they're, they, they are ridiculous in this point. If, in fact, it was a 15-year-old Asian and they're getting that from the sheriff's department, write that. Right. It might help you find right. a kid. Why is the firearm important to you? <clears throat> to me, the firearm it doesn't matter because no matter what it is, it, it's going to take the blame over the actual person squeezing the trigger. Well, I agree. I agree. You're absolutely correct. But if it had been an automatic or semi-automatic rifle, that, that response would have been even more intense. All right. The uh, couple other things, Joe, I, I have a new report here from ABC. Mm-hmm. Uh, says does not say he is dead, but that he is hospitalized oh, right okay. now. Oh, okay. Yeah, the shooter. Well, on stories like this, you need 48 exactly. hours. Exactly. I was just going to say, as you always say, yeah. uh, uh, one female patient has died, according to Henry oh, Mayo no. Hospital. Yeah. And two male patients in critical. Well, I, I, uh, I, I know what the problem is. It's, it's not guns. It's... The decline of moral and ethical integrity all across the board. White, black, blue, red, Isle of Tonga, Asia. doesn't make any difference. And now a firearm manufacturer is being sued yeah, um, because they're literally blaming the firearm uh, as opposed to the person. For the Sandy Hook. Yeah, as opposed to the person. Yeah, who, I don't understand the rationale for that. Did the murdering. It, 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 well, in my mind. Because there's nobody left to sue. It, yeah, it, it should have been thrown out, but uh, for some reason they're allowing it to go through. Very disappointing. I know we're immersed in uh, impeachment talk. <laughs> yeah. Impeachment hearings. And, and uh, inquiry. But I read today the federal deficit reached $134 billion in October. The first month of fiscal 2020. This is according to the Treasury Department. Mm-hmm. That figure is 34% higher than last October. Wow. A sign of a steadily increasing gap between federal spending and revenue. And yet they're collecting revenue at record amounts. At record amounts. Mm-hmm. Do any of these adult children in Washington on either side of the aisle, are they ever going to address this or care about this? Nah. That's secondary. Well, there's more important things. Well, we just going need on. to raise taxes. Well, Joe. what you're learning, though, whether it's <laughs> impeachment hearings or, or what have you, the, the incomprehensibility of government uh, almost uh, insulates them from having to address this. 
As a candidate, Trump had promised to wipe out the nation's deficit, but deficits have only grown since his inauguration. The Treasury estimated that the deficit for 2020 would surpass $1 trillion for the first time since 2012. The figure came in just below the milestone for fiscal 19, 2019, hitting $984 billion. The deficit has spiked following the GOP tax law with multiple bipartisan agreements to increase spending on defense and domestic programs. The nation's overall debt level surpassed $23 trillion for the first time this month. Wow. $23 trillion. I've asked smart people about this. What did I tell you? (laughs) Smarter. I was thinking of a smarter guy. That wasn't bad, though. Thank you. Pretty good. (laughs) And he he laughed it off. What do you mean? They'll just make it go away. Uh, 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 I don't know. Make it go away as in the story? No, they'll just, you know, they'll they'll do something incomprehensible that we don't understand, and suddenly there won't be a $23 trillion debt. They'll get it down to $7 trillion. Um, I don't see how that can be possible. You talk to really, really smart people, um, but here you work with uh, the four of us. Right. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) about that, I have a, a really, really... Dumb question. All right. D-U-M-B. Who do we write the check to? I owe the IRS. I write them a check. I'm paying off a dump trailer. I know who I write the check to. Right. I've got debts. Right. And I know who I write the check to. Right. Who do we write the check to? The government. So you're saying the government government has incurred this debt on your behalf. So, but that doesn't. Kenny's saying who does who does the White House send the check to? The U.S. government, for its part, owned five point seven three trillion uh, owned five point seven three trillion in debt, mostly via Social Security and federal pension funds. The Federal Reserve owned two point three trillion in debt, but trimmed its holdings by eighty five billion since June of two thousand seventeen. But I want to know you want you want to know who do we pay this to? Maybe we pay the check to China. Most headlines focus on how much the U.S. owes China, one of the largest foreign owners. Many people don't, is that the Social Security Trust Fund, your retirement money, owns most of the national debt. Higher deficits and a growing debt load can raise interest rates and limit the tools policymakers have to fight recession. They also extract financing costs. In October, for example, the government spent $33 billion on financing the debt, about a quarter of the month's overall deficit. None of that made sense to me. I, I sh- Who are we paying the interest to? I don't yeah. know, Joe. <laughs> I, it would occur to me, my thought is, let's get China paid off. And then, but, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> this is another layer, though. This is just another political layer. Intergovernmental debt. This is the portion of the federal debt owed to 230 other federal agencies. In December 2018, intergovernmental holdings totaled $5.9 trillion, or 27% of the debt. Why would the government owe money to itself? Some agencies, like the Social Security Trust Fund, take in more revenue from the taxes they need, and rather than stick this cash under a giant mattress, these uh, agencies buy U.S. Treasuries with it. And here at home, we've got the Department of Human Services, <laughs> which I was wasting just, yeah. hundreds of millions of dollars and other state agencies breaking the law, and no one will be held accountable. And did that come out of somebody's bank account? I mean, somebody, the state's bank account? Well, yeah, somewhere? it came out of a general fund. But this is how we can stop it. They go on. By owning treasuries, they can transfer their excess cash to the general fund, where what do they do? 
It's in the general fund. They're just going to spend. You it. act like you understand this. I'm Do reading you? this from thebalance.com. I'm not that smart. <laughs> I'm not one that Joe goes to. So basically, they just have to stop spending, and the debt will emit. Boom! It'll go down like nothing. That's stop spending. That's pretty good. Okay, you go. never we don't have to take from the one percenters. All right, there's a lot of dates here. Moeller's giving me a lot of dates. I've come up with a new way to look at R.F. Moeller Jeweler. All okay. right. It's the Moeller season. Yes, it is. <laughs> forget, forget, forget Thanksgiving and Christmas. Boy. It's the Moeller season. That's, Happy Moeller. Happy Moeller. Right there. R.F. Moeller is having a huge holiday sale in their Minneapolis store starting tomorrow. That's the start of the Moeller season. And that runs through December 31st, and you'll save 30 to 40% on all jewelry including diamonds and designer jewelry. They're even offering this deal on select watches. But now this this span of dates, yeah. December uh, November 15th through the end of the year, that's only in the store in Gavaday. Okay. All right. Now, during molar season, the holiday sale starts, in the, uh, starts at 50th in France, November 18th, and runs through... December 31st, and that's the same deal. Diamonds, designer jewelry, uh, great watches. No, that date is for... No, 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 we'll get her. RF Moeller Jewelers kicking off. See, the Moeller season is kicking off. Just put it this way. They do this to you on purpose. The Moeller season has begun. But uh, on Thanksgiving weekend... Visit Edina or St. Paul stores. That's mm-hmm. 50th in France or Ford in Cleveland. That's November 29th. Now, here's here's a, here's some dates now you we, do now need to remember. Rolling, November 29th. Yep. You need a sign? Yep. Get, get your sign. sign. November 29th through December 1st at the Edina and St. Paul stores. Receive a $250 gift certificate off your purchase of $500 or more. But consider it the molar season because it's your one-stop shopping place for all the great jewelry and watches and diamonds and necklaces that you could ever want. They're wonderful, wonderful gifts, expert gift uh, wrapping, great service. Uh, don't let the dates confuse you. It's it's molar season. Okay. It's molar season. Learn more at rfmolar.com. He's going to kill me. Earth is not your mother. The Joe Suchere Show. Here's our guitar-playing newsman, John Height. Thank you, Joe. I think uh, before I do news, I just did this real quick. You've been scribbling lyrics over there. You ready? Yep. It's the molar season, (laughs) so many sales. It's the molar season, Joe. Your ad failed. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of dates, Joe. Please keep them straight. Good luck on the spots. We're all counting on you. That's all I got. All right, thank you. The molar will love it. It's the molar season. Make make up some... uh, God, I hope he loves it. Molar holiday songs. I think it was ingenious on their part. Just send you (laughs) the most most confusing (laughs) nonsense we possibly can. In the immortal words of Earl Weaver, Joe's going, You're just here for one thing, (laughs) Joe. Believe me. (laughs) 
In, uh, in news, on a more serious note, the 75-year-old man who died from an assault after leaving a Metro Transit bus has been identified. The Hennepin County Medical Center identified the man as Sherwa Hassan Jabril from Minneapolis. He died of complications of blunt force head injuries, according to the release, and police are calling it a homicide. 23-year-old Leroy Davis Miles has been arrested in connection to the incident. Preliminary investigation said there was a verbal exchange on a Metro Transit bus. When the victim got off, the suspect and three others followed the victim. Police said another altercation then took place, the suspect hitting the victim, causing him to fall and hit his head. The men then exchanged handshakes and rummaged through the man's pockets. A University of Minnesota professor who was convicted of domestic assault. Remember the story a while back? We uh, talked about it. He Is this was, the guy that was billing the uh, university yep. for a bunch of stuff? He was also under investigation for questionable spending of taxpayer money at the university, has now resigned. 48-year-old Aaron Doring had been on paid leave from the U of M since his He was old... still getting paid? Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, we covered that. I didn't, know, I didn't know that part. Okay, Scan. He got loaded and <laughs> beat up his uh, wife. Uh, he had, uh, dragged. I don't know if this is the guy who beat up the wife. He was yeah. accused of dragging and yeah. choking Allegedly. His, his now former girlfriend in December 2018. Yeah. Uh, our folks uh, downstairs, Five Eyewitness News investigated, found Doring had previously been accused of domestic, uh, domestic abuse by two other women. Doring was considered a leading voice on climate change and a renowned explorer. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Who traveled who the world? Flew, on, who flew the world, huh? Right. Traveled the world yeah, on, u- boy. on university funded yeah, trips, of fraud. course. In July, a six-month six-month investigation by Five Eyewitness News found at least thirty grand in questionable spending by Doring, including first-class flights, expensive meals, and gifts that appeared unrelated to his work at the university. At the time, university administrators confirmed they launched their own internal audit of Professor Nadoring's expense reports, but had provided no further updates until Wednesday. The university spokeswoman did not provide any other details about the timing and terms of Doring's resignation. Wild car chase caught on camera ended in a crash in Wisconsin. Happened around 1 in the afternoon yesterday, Highway 36 near Interstate 694. On the video, a dark pickup truck seen swerving in and out of traffic, narrowly missing dozens of cars. Oncoming traffic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of lucky things happened during this. Yep. Several minutes later, the truck crossed the center line of Highway 36, was driving directly into traffic as it headed towards Stillwater. Cameras caught various law enforcement vehicles in pursuit, trying on at least two occasions to use roadside stop sticks. The driver evaded the devices each time as it crossed over the new bridge spanning the St. Croix from Stillwater into Wisconsin. Uh, They have identified the suspect now as 51-year-old Jeffrey Morgan Groves. The truck drove onto Interstate 94 in Hudson, once again driving head-on into traffic the wrong way. Okay, stop right there. Mm -hmm. You go through downtown Hudson, you're southbound. Right. How in the hell do you get on the wrong lane of 94? You can't. He went up the exit lane onto, he was going eastbound on westbound 94. The same thing he was doing on Highway 36, he was going eastbound on West 36. So if you're the exit lane, instead of coming this way on off the highway, he went he just on it, jumped onto on, the highway. He jumped on the exit lane. All right. It all ended about 2.15 with a... No, but the exit lane, the exit lane requires you to... the If you are... Eastbound on Interstate 94. Eastbound and down. If you're eastbound on 94 and you're going to go into downtown Hudson, your exit lane is obviously to your right. So for him to get on westbound 94 in the wrong lane, he had to go under that bridge and then go up that exit lane. Oh. Yeah. I've driven a 
50,000 times. I've been there many times. You're wrong. Okay. <clears throat> it's not worth arguing about. Everybody got lucky and nobody died. What uh, were the days in that Molder event? I'm uh, trying to There's a map of 94. I, I know. I know what I'm doing. I, Clearly, doesn't really sound like it. <laughs> well, well, it here. all it all started. Well, you guys are figuring this out. Hold Let on. me explain. I'll turn oh, this I, I think Kenny's got it. Oh, Careful, I like to look Kenny. at the maps. Maps. This is, this is westbound ninety four. Right. So he was coming down here. Yep. He jumped on this exit loop here, this yep. lane, and went this way. He went eastbound and the westbound. All maps. right. All right. All right. All started when St. Louis Park Police said a woman reported a man had broken into her home overnight on November 3rd, adding she'd been sexually assaulted by the suspect, who also forced her to go to two ATMs in the metro and forced her to withdraw cash. A chase started at Highway 61 and Interstate 494 when the U.S. Marshals Task Force tried to execute an arrest warrant on the suspect in Newport, Minnesota on Wednesday. That's when he fled. Various agencies took part in the chase. News release from the U.S. Marshals Service said the crash ended with a pit maneuver in Hudson, Wisconsin. The suspect taken to Regents Hospital for treatment of serious injuries, but police said he's in custody for probable cause burglary, criminal sexual conduct, and unrelated Ramsey County warrants. And uh, uh, I would remind you, if this would have started in Minneapolis, they would have called this chase off right. and let this guy go. Because good point. They don't chase the bad guys in my town. They just let them go. It is give- and judges don't prosecute them. They also just let them go. It is Give to the Max Day 2019, one of the largest fundraising days in Minnesota. Give to the Max Day is a 24-hour fundraising day that encourages people to donate to nonprofits and schools across Minnesota. Sometimes it feels like every day is Give to the Max Day. <laughs> <laughs> the day was uh, created by Give MN, an independent nonprofit organization launched in 2009 by Minnesota Community Foundation. Not only does Give Men host the annual Give It to the Max Day, but organization also helps nonprofits and schools fundraise year-round. Give to the Max Day began in 2009. Donors at this point have given nearly $170 million to more than 10,000 nonprofits and schools in the past 10 years. Last year, a record-breaking day with 5,478 organizations across the state getting a combined $21 million. The previous record had been $20.6 million in 20. 17. The charity that I co-founded, Second Stork, is on the list at uh, Give Men. So if you've got a nickel or a dime, you can't miss. We hope to raise about $10,000 You cover me on that. I got you on that. All right. I got you. Uh, update on that school shooting story we were talking about. A female patient injured in Thursday morning's shooting at Saugus High School in Santa Clarita has died. That according to a Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital mm-hmm. spokesperson. A fire was opened at a high school in the Southern California city of Santa Clarita shortly before classes began Thursday morning. Uh, injured, uh, the shooting injured several people, sent some students streaming out of the building. A suspect in the shooting at Saugus High School is in custody being treated at a hospital, according to L.A. County Sheriff Alex Villanova on Twitter. Details about how the suspect was captured not immediately available. Authorities had been looking for a suspect described as an Asian male in black clothing, the Sheriff's Department said on Twitter. The suspect is believed to be a student at the school. Six patients, three in critical, were taken to hospitals originally. At least five were shot. Emergency workers took at least three people out of the school on gurneys. The shooting happened about 20 minutes before the start of school. The uh, All schools in Santa Clarita's William Hart School District were temporarily locked down as a precaution and restrictions were lifted at all but Saugus and Arroyo Seco Junior High by mid-morning. That area, by the way, is about 30 miles northwest 
of Los Angeles. You'd think the field was crowded enough, but now former Governor Deval Patrick of Massachusetts officially has entered the presidential race. Come on in. He did that Thursday morning, adding an 18th candidate and an 11th hour twist to an already turbulent Democratic primary with less than three months to go before the Iowa caucuses. Patrick's announcement, which had been signaled earlier this week, came in the form of a video he released Thursday morning. In it, he said he was running for people who, quote, felt left out and want a future not built by somebody better than you, not built for you, but built with you. He said in the message. (laughs) That's that's the message we need. He said the message, I admire and respect the candidates in the Democratic field. They bring a richness of ideas and experience and a depth of character that makes me proud to be a Democrat. But if the character of the candidates is an issue in every election, this time it's about the character of the country. Patrick is 63 years old. He served two terms as governor in Massachusetts, is one of the highest profile black leaders in the De- uh, Democratic Party. And offering his rationale this morning on CBS This Morning for joining the race, he said, you can't know if you can break through if you don't get out there and try. Okay, Danny. <laughs> Good luck, pal. <laughs> a 50-cent piece made in 1838 now may be worth half a million dollars. That's why I keep looking. The 1838 <laughs> O-capped bust half dollar will be auctioned on Friday in Baltimore by, Baltimore by auction house Stacks Bowers Galleries, which describes it as a truly legendary coin. That's what the cowboys threw on the counter of the bar in the saloon when they Just went to get a shot. <laughs> Not this one, though. Oh. This one's extremely rare. Only 20 were ever created. Oh, then it wasn't in the movie. So right. I'm sorry. The Smithsonian Institution thinks there's only 11 that are still in existence. Uh, its existence. Uh, Stax Bowers said it could be as few as nine in existence. The specimen coin being auctioned is called the Cox Specimen, which last changed hands in the 1980s. According to the auction house, it features a woman wearing a band that reads Liberty on one face and the national symbol of the bald eagle on the other. It was created at the New Orleans Mint, which opened in 1838 with the purpose of creating gold and silver coins. So wait, you said this exchange hands last time in the 1980s? Yes. So it could have been featured in that great film Uncle Buck, where he flips the uh, coin. <laughs> that right, was Rick? a quarter. That oh, was a quarter. Yeah. That was not... Uh, hey, uh, describe that bar for me, will you? Give me a little cartoon bubble. Well, you got the swinging doors. Swinging oh, yeah. doors that are right. up high. And yeah. your horse is out front tied to the rail. Yeah. Right? Yes. And you got the go in, you kind of dust the... Yeah. You get the dust off your vest. And what's your the chaps. bartender doing? Polishing a glass. <laughs> Big mirror. Yeah, big mirror behind, behind the bar. Yeah, yeah. And he's got on uh, those uh, arm... The, uh, the garters? The garters. The gar- got the garters on. <laughs> and, and every step he takes, you can hear the wooden floor yep. ching, as he walks ching, up to the bar. Now, when he throws the coin on the bar, you can hear it. You can it just a kinda, scan bucket yeah, thing. Yeah. <laughs> Guy over in the corner hammering away on the, an upright piano. <laughs> <laughs> and Miss Kitty appears on the balcony and croons, hey. croons a song. <laughs> Disney's new streaming service, Disney Plus, has already seen 10 million signups since launching Tuesday. Disney's stock was up 7.35% by Wednesday's close, adding more than $13 billion to its market cap, which now sits at $268 billion. Uh, Netflix shares, uh, when all this was happening, went down 3.1%. Disney's new streaming service launched Tuesday with some technical errors that prevented some users from connecting, but that didn't stop customers from flooding the sign-up page. At $6.99 per month or $69.99 per year, Disney Plus is significantly cheaper than competitors like Netflix, which charges $12.99 for its most popular standard 
HD plan. Question for you, fellas. Did you? Uh, I wasn't able to listen to Tuesday's um, effort. Did you talk about Disney at all on Tuesday? Uh, only in the sense that John might have tried to explain to us what was going on. Because my wife sent me an email, uh, and this comes from Fox 9, uh, headline, Disney slaps content warning for outdated cultural depictions oh. on classic animated I movies. I saw that because no. they might trigger uh, uh, emotions, yeah. uh, wow. like uh, the dog movies. And, uh, I don't know. They yeah. also cut some scenes. I saw that story, too. Uh, for instance, this I thought this was the strangest one. At the end of Toy Story, there's a blooper reel. They made a fake blooper reel yeah. with, with the right. actors. Very around. funny. And they have the bad guy in Toy Story 2, who's an old prospector, talking to two Barbies. Saying, he's got both of them in the box. Yeah. yeah. And he's saying, uh, maybe we can get you the next in Toy Story 3. You know. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. funny. Yes. Very it's clever. not offensive. They cut it out. They yeah. just completely cut it out. They uh, did this on Dumbo from 41, The Aristocrats. Isn't that's that a that's cat, it's a cartoon cat movie? Aristocats Arista, Arista 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 from 19th. Oh, oh yes, Aristocats. Okay, I thought it was the very very no. dirty joke. No, no. Uh, that's from 1970. The Jungle Book, 67, and the original Lady and the Tramp, which was 1955. It's a classic. How can you put? Well, wow, don't get me started. Well, um, I was, I did watch a little bit of uh, what's the Mel Brooks cowboy movie this morning? Ladies and Gentlemen. Yeah. Might not be seen there. I, I, I don't know, fellas. Might be some edits. He wouldn't make it today. You, but it's well, Mel Brooks says he couldn't make it today. They wouldn't let him. Right? Uh, says and I wouldn't blame him. Oh, I thought <laughs> it was fantastic. Oh, boy. The sheriff is a near. Yeah. I don't know, guys. I don't know. Man. Oh, I do. I, I think Kenny's getting soft on yeah. us. What the hell? I, I don't know. It was a bit shocking, I have to admit. Really? You had not seen it? No, I've I've seen it. It's just been a while. Since you know, what I discovered last night. Seen huh. the unedited I was clicking, version. reading. Dirty Harry was on. <laughs> I saw your tweet. Yeah, and 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 at the end, he he has to go to see the mayor of San Francisco. Yeah, right? yep. it's, it was Dean Wormer, mm-hmm. the actor John Vernon. I didn't. I didn't that. know that. So yeah. I tweeted that out, and some guy said, did you just see these movies today? Yeah. You're not exactly no, breaking I, any news fat here. Fat and stupid is no way to go <laughs> yeah. through life, yeah. son. Uh, felt, that was Prospector Bob, by the way, and it was the voice of Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer. Who was yeah. later yeah. gotten a little trouble with Joe's super out-of-date movie review. Yeah. I, that could be a cool Joe's bit. super out-of-date movie <laughs> review. John, felt, John f- Vernon was Dean Wormer. I f- felt kind of bad when the guy corrected you because I realized he sounded kind of like I do sometimes. Yeah. So. Mr. F. Y. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, thank you, John. Oh, sure. Sure, sure, John. Sure. Got it. Right. Yeah. This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Suchere. So, fellas, I've been talking about 30 bales in Hopkins for uh, quite a while now. Todd and Tom are the longtime owners of that establishment, and they are also huge fans of Garage Logic. So, this last weekend, I took the bride and the boys up there for brunch on Sunday, and first off, I had to start off with a Bloody Mary, the uh, homemade-style Bloody Mary, which was fantastic, but then I had the Farmer's Hash Breakfast. It was outstanding. I like hash. It's it's incredible, Joe. It's a scratch Midwest kitchen, and uh, it's it's 
It's hard to beat. It really is. Their brunch is spectacular every Saturday and Sunday from 9.30 till 2 p.m. And I topped things off with a little Irish coffee for dessert mm-hmm. before we had to leave because, you know, the bride was driving. Uh, they also have a fantastic happy hour every Tuesday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. And they have a great menu there just for happy hour only, of which many, many items are $5 or less. And also, if you're in the area for lunch, they're a spectacular spot for lunch. You can make a reservation. You can either do it by calling the restaurant or you can do it on open table. And they're taking your reservations for your holiday and or dinner parties right now. Check them out online. You can see their full menu online, 30bales.com. Make sure you let them know that the GL crew sent you in today. It's 30bales.com. They are in downtown Hopkins, Joe. Did you hear me? I did. I need happy hours and sad days. All right, we can do 15 of these between now and Christmas, and I have a new take on this. Uh, Tree lighting has been removed from the annual holiday celebration in Durham, New Hampshire, because members of the town complained. So so it used to be called the annual tree lighting ceremony. Now it's going to be called Frost Fest. Hey. <laughs> There'll be no there tree. There'll be no tree. No wreaths on the uh, street lamps on Main Street. And Santa uh, will be there, but I guess he shows up in a Prius or something. Rook, who was but, your friend that had the, uh, the f- f- Frost Fest with the 55? Uh... No, I don't remember. No, Mr. Scan had nothing to do. That had to do with French fries. That was French fries. Oh, French fries. French fries were 55 cents for that lady that needs some dental Get into that scan in town. (laughs) Town Councilor Sally Tobias says the charges came about after some controversy last holiday season. There was another private citizen that came forward and said that he had always had a problem with the Christmas tree, as he called it, Tobias said. After holding a public meeting, the town formed a working committee and made changes. There were a couple of people who did not express, there were a couple of people who did express some concerns about how they felt being included. Uh, what do you mean? Rabbi Beryl Slavaticki at the University of New Hampshire and Seacoast Chabad Jewish Center feels the changes are a move in the wrong direction. To stop, to stop cultures and faith from practicing publicly would be very un-American. I think that's the beauty of our country, Slavatiki said. Slavatiki said he asked the town to display a menorah in the eight days of Hanukkah last year, but his request was denied. The Supreme Court uh-huh. ruled in 1989 that the menorah and the Christmas tree both represent the holiday winter season, Slavatiki said. Tobias herself is not the biggest fan of the changes, but says the town is open to feedback. I will state that trees and Santas and wreaths are not Christian, Tobias said, and we would like to hear back from the community. We'd like to hear what they think about it, how they would like to see it evolve a little differently, and how we can make it better. Okay, traditionally this has been called the war on Christmas. Mm-hmm. I don't think there is a war on Christmas. What is, I, I, what think, is it? I think this is just part of the Mysterian attack on history and tradition and norms. I don't think uh, – I think Christmas is just – uh, part of a palette of events that have come under attack, whether it be a, a war memorial in a traffic circle in Baltimore okay. or... Uh, but, uh, but, the, but, 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 but it's anything representing religion. But it's anything represent... Well, and but it, and that's true insofar as religion is inexorably involved with our past and our history and our tradition. Right. And that's what's, that's what's uh, under the gun here. It has nothing to do with a Christmas tree. As far as I'm... I might be out on a limb here, but I don't think electricity had anything to do with Christmas. There weren't any lights when... Uh, <laughs> 
the three wise guys showed up in Bethlehem. Right, they were, right. You know, they didn't have flashlights or anything, much less, much less electric lights. But how about a beer? Yeah. <laughs> There's no room at the inn. So this little town in Durham, uh, New Hampshire, which presumably is quaint, and they had the lit wreaths on the lampposts and Main Street, and they had the Christmas tree, and everybody probably got around there and got half stiff the night they did it. Yep. It was just a town celebration. That's all gone now because somebody in the town complained. And, uh, you know, the uh, city council uh, has no obligation, to the best of my understanding, to respond to a complaint. They could have said, you know, we're, we're getting some feedback on this, people, what do you think? But they jump into a committee working session and uh, abandon the whole thing. I don't think it has anything to do with Christmas. But look look at one of the biggest guys Halloween that could— attack. But one of the guys that—the biggest guys that could protest mm-hmm. were the rabbi, where it's a Christian thing, and he said— doesn't bother me. Right. Yeah, but tra- it's the euphorians that are there. Traditionally, the, the Jews and the Christians get along pretty good during, They're pretty similar. during Christmas. Family-wise. They both share a hell of a lot of guilt. <laughs> <laughs> we both have our thing, and yeah. we respect each other, other's thing. And then Kwanzaa came along, and we respect that. That's fine and awesome. I, I don't understand what the big deal is. Well, the, the, the big deal is the mystery is slowly but surely chipping away at the fundamental traditions and customs that once defined the country. And it's being done under the name of social justice or whatever other euphemism you want to come up with. But I think it's time to move on from the idea that it's, uh, that it's Christmas specifically that a war is being declared on. Yeah, you're right about Halloween. A war is being declared on anything that's, that suggests Americana as we once knew it. Fourth of July. Fourth of July. Yeah. You had a mayor here who wouldn't have a fireworks display. Right. Oh. He couldn't come up with the money. Right. It's, it's everywhere. It's not Christmas. And, and the left loves to snicker at people who get all worked up and believe that there is a war on Christmas. You tend to get mocked if you believe that. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm going to acquiesce to them. You're right. It's a war on everything. It has nothing to do with Christmas. We're being nibbled to death. So there'll be 15 of these stories between now and Christmas where some small town gives in to the town crank who said, <laughs> I, I'm, feeling, uh, I'm feeling excluded here because you're lighting a Christmas tree. And they've even gone so far in Durham, New Hampshire, to just rename the whole season Frost Fest. There you go. Frost Fest. Frost Fest. In Reaver's uh, defense, he was thinking of the 55 that did also, you could order phosphates. That might be where he was. That's what I was thinking of. Phosphates. 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 That was a buddy of yours, or what was That was the gal that worked at the Bridgman's on Randolph and Snelling, and she had a very, she had very pronounced two front teeth. She had the overbite. And unfortunately for her, the price of French fries were. 55. So we would go in and inquire about the current price of french fries, and she'd have to turn around and say, They're 55. And then we'd giggle. And that was, know, that was cruel of you. Very cruel. I hope she saw, I hope she got some good dental well, work. And the bad yeah. part about Jeez, working bro. with you guys all these years is that is 55 yes. is never said in my house by anybody without going 55. I now have the two never. young boys saying, Oh, she was very happy when they always. went to 60 cents, you know. They <laughs> <laughs> we quit going in there. Scott the Wright, only I'm, sensitive person here. I, you guys I are guess, creeps. I guess, mister, I hate blazing saddles. I have a uh, couple of disturbing emails. Oh, Uh-oh. Joe, longtime listener uh, who has been following the discussion about the increase in light rail violence over light rail violence over the past few years. Personally, I refuse to ride the light rail, not out of fear, but out of disgust for the way the situation is being handled by the salon. On one occasion, I was riding to a Twins game with my bride, and a feral urchin sat ahead of us next to a woman riding to work. He took up conversation with her, which led to unsolicited sexual talk. 
my fist tightened as I prepared to take action. The last straw happened when he started to lick the side of her face oh. all the while she sat there and took it. Oh, I would have grabbed the back of his head. I immediately jumped up and challenged the individual Thank who was you. shocked that I would stand up to his actions. Good. He tossed the customary profanities at me but quickly exited the train. Can you identify Reavers? About six months later, we were coming home late after a Timberwolves game with a full train of suburbanite families. The same individual I confronted that summer sat two rows behind me shouting profanities with elementary age kids all around. Uh Again, my blood began to boil and I prepared for action. Sadly, the rest of the men surrounding me looked straight ahead with a look of fear and an unwillingness to put a stop to this fool's behavior. This time, the bride pleaded with me to let it go, which I agreed, but I thought to myself, what the hell is wrong with the men on this train their wives and children are being subjected to this crap and they did nothing Uh, joe i am not condoning violence but i also believe able-bodied decent men riding the train need to start stepping up to the plate when these thugs attempt to perpetuate or perpetrate intimidation these feral individuals prey on the weak or women and run wild because they rely on intimidation to scare everyone they do not anticipate strong, decent men to make a stand against their antics. Mr. Reaver shared a similar event and his similar actions just a few weeks ago. It took courage, and I commend him for standing up to that feral idiot as he understands what men need to do in a world where men have been feminized to avoid confrontation. No doubt I understand there are real risks in standing up for what is right, but the alternative is to surrender to these thugs and live in fear forever. <coughs> Yeah. I 100% agree with the emailer. I forget the name. But, Scott from Invergrove Heights. But I will say this. If I was not alone, I probably wouldn't have done what I did. If my kids were with me, I, would, I, just, I wouldn't have done anything. We all need Understandably, because you couldn't take that risk. Right. We all need to invest in little canisters of mace. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's and, not a bad idea. And, That's and a just, really good idea. It, it's, in my opinion, it's better and easier than carrying a firearm, because when you carry a firearm, you have an obligation to not get involved in those situations. As a person carrying a firearm, you have to let that go. You can just not get involved because something could happen. You could lose possession, whatever. But if we all had, and all the women in our lives, and all the men and everybody just had a little can of mace, a guy like that would be taken care of so easy. So easy. This is a very dreadful email, uh, but it's important. We've been discussing uh, the district attorney in Boston and now most recently the district attorney in San Francisco intending to forgive what they call quality of life crimes. Uh, And Tim writes, here's what happens when you stop prosecuting so-called quality of life crimes. And this is a true story. I've read about it. I didn't want to bring it up. Because uh, it's so dreadful, but uh, Tim makes a great point. A homeless man in L.A. had been defecating in a bucket for several days. He randomly pulled a woman out of a car, dragged her to the middle of the street, and dumped the bucket on her head. It was diarrhea. Hot liquid. I was soaked, she said, and it was coming off my eyelashes and into Jeez. my eyes. Heidi Van Tassel said. The paramedics who came to treat me said there was so much of it on me that it looked like the man was saving it up for a month. Van Tassel was rushed to Hollywood Presbyterian Hospital after the attack, where she was tested for infectious diseases. She'll now have to be retested every three months. It is amazing how liberals hide behind euphemisms like quality of life crimes. No prosecutor would allow factories to pollute our waters and simply dismiss it as a quality of life crime. Chemicals in our waterway puts public health at risk. Defecation on the streets and used heroin needles in parks also puts public health at risk. It is a public health crime. No civilized society should tolerate it. And he's absolutely correct. 
Absolutely correct. Wow. Got any more? Why are we losing our grip? Why are we losing our grip? You saw that story in the news, didn't you, John? I did, yeah. Yeah. And you wisely didn't bring it up. I wasn't going to bring it up either. But it it dovetails into this idea that we're having more and more Mysterians in the roles of district attorneys. Well, I got news for you. That's coming to this city, too. Well, these pro- that line of thinking. Yeah, these proponents of mass transit, the bus where we had the guy that's now passed dead. And you need to do a lot of homework. And on all that. and yeah. all the violence we're seeing on both the green and the blue lines. These proponents that are pushing this that it, that this is the best thing ever. They need to get behind this crime thing. They need to stop this. This is uh, this is on their shoulders. They, they, What's holding them back? They can't right now? leave it to us whack job right wing conservatives that are outraged outraged by this stuff. They need to get behind this and keep their mass mass transportation safe. They're the people. There, it's their deal. Hail how, the flashlight how, king! Hail, hail you. you! Just listening to the podcast for Monday, November eleventh. My humble comment. I wondered how long it would take the big banks to jump on this bandwagon. He's talking about uh, it might be getting harder and harder to get a mortgage to build a home oh, yeah, on, yeah, uh, in, yeah. in uh, dangerous areas. Right. I wonder how long it would take big banks to jump on this bandwagon. It's not that mortgages will be harder to get, as the banks and investors do not buy into this 12-year BS, but that mortgages will be more expensive to get. In other words... It's an excuse to get a couple more mortgage interest rates from euphorians who can't complain because to complain, they would have to admit the hoax isn't real. Keep them honest, Joe, fighting back in Forest City, Iowa, home of gas-guzzling Winnebago Industries. John. What's this one? Uh, Oh, I'm going to come back with a tremendously positive pushback. thank goodness. Pushback from the failed academy. Fast. <laughs> it's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. Emailer, emailer Steve Loading, Lading, Loading uh, alerts me to this. Uh, this is fantastic. Truly fantastic. An interim college provost is facing backlash from upset students after attempting to abolish historic traditions, including saying grace before meals at the University of Oxford. Professor Kate Tunstall, the interim provost of Worcester College, one of the colleges at Oxford, infuriated students from the junior common room after she decided to axe the Anglican prayer read in Latin before meals as a way to boost diversity and inclusivity and prevent students from feeling alienated. The students are petitioning the governing board after a majority voted against Tunstall's actions, which also scraps a custom requiring students to stand when senior academics enter and exit the dining halls. In other words, the kids want to keep the tradition of the Anglican grace, and they want to stand up when their elders enter and leave the room. Sounds good to me. Kate. Uh, uh, Damon Falk, the, uh, jun- the junior common room vice president, said students are passionate about keeping the theater that reminds them of this place's history and that it's a special place to be. A senior administrator said the students are not quite as woke as they thought, referring to college officials. Uh, students at Worcester, uh, a college spokesman said in a statement that these are progressive changes the college has been implementing to welcome all students. And as always the case when this happens, 
by that, by doing that, you're also disenfranchising a number of students. The college recently created a multi-faith prayer room, and it voted with its last governing body meeting to expand the range of texts that can be said at formal dinners from the single option of the Christian grace in Latin, the spokesman said, to include texts from other religions and cultures. And the kids are saying, no, no, we're here. This place has a history. We want to maintain it. Right. That's a pushback. Here, 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 That's here. a pushback. Mm-hmm. That's a pushback. And the same place, same country, UK, they've gone now to gender-neutral cocktails. What, what does gender that mean? Gender-neutral cocktails. I didn't know cocktails had a gender. Like a Cosmo would be a well, uh, female name, cocktail? Just the name alone. Uh, United Kingdom restaurant <laughs> chain Burger and Lobster uh, uh, launched a, a gender-neutral cocktail move in a London, established, uh, a London establishment recently in a bid to remove stereotypes surrounding drinks <laughs> that influence patrons to avoid selections they see as traditionally geared to the opposite gender. In its Soho restaurant, the New Line's five cocktails were listed using numbers and ingredients rather than names. At its Bread Street eatery, the traditional names were used. It was discovered that just over 30% of male customers were not keen on drinks like the Cosmo or Pina Colada because of their feminine names. And just over 10% of female customers were too embarrassed to order drinks considered more masculine, like a Negroni or Old Fashioned. At Bread Street, only 5% of the men and women chose the white Negroni, while at the Soho restaurant, where it's simply called number one, it was four times more popular. Never uh, stop me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can. So it's not a fast food joint. It's a regular restaurant. Here are some of the comments. If you're stressing out over the perceived gender of your drink, I don't think you should be drinking in the first place. <laughs> there you go. Next, work, next week, the words white, black, yellow, and brown will be removed from food and drink names because they are painfully obvious racist terms. Uh, here's another one. I didn't think drinks, drinks were gender-specific before. I still don't. I wasn't aware cocktails had genders. Oh. Or- Orwell was off by only 35 years. <laughs> Made a mental note to never go there. I can't be the only one who thinks this is totally ludicrous. Ignorance, nothing more. Well, wait a second. Yeah. What was the dude's favorite drink? What did he ask Gary for? White Russian. White Russian. Russian. No, he didn't. Yeah. No? I'll have a Caucasian, Gary. Caucasian. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, you're Caucasian. right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that movie was so far ahead of its time. <laughs> we going to come back with Johnny? Do it. All right, let's do it. University of Garage Logic, 98. College now of Self-Esteem, zip, nada, nothing. Here's Joe Suchere. No, here's John Height. Thank you, Joe. Wow. It's really loud, Chris. Dawson's Hollow is the name of the band. Every time we play a song by them, we get a couple of emails. Dawson's Hollow. I thought it was pronounced holler. Is it? Well, John, can is, I... My, if you live there, it is. Might I tell you something before you start the news? You may. Because <laughs> uh, I think it's all of a piece. Uh, presidential candidate Elizabeth Warren, uh, in her in her hectoring billionaires, yeah. is now selling twenty five dollar coffee cups with billionaire tears on the on the. They're called billionaire tears mugs. I think it's no different than taking down the Christmas wreaths in Durham, New Hampshire. It's all of a piece. It's just attacking that which we've all come to know, and she is demonizing success. 
Go ahead, John. Thank you, Joe. Sure. Sheriff's officials in northern Minnesota say more than 11 people have been rescued from an ice flow on Upper Red Lake, prompting a warning for anglers to stay off the ice this early in the season. <laughs> Beltrami <laughs> County Sheriff's Office. I disagree. Beltrami uh, County Sheriff's Office contacted Red Lake area resort owners this week asking for help in keeping people off the ice. Recent cold weather, as we uh, talked about earlier, has resulted in the lake beginning to ice over earlier than usual. Sheriff Ernie Bytel says social media posts are exploiting the safety of the ice when, in fact, he says it's not. He says 11 people were rescued from floating sheets of ice Tuesday by Kelleher Fire and Rescue, with reports of many others being rescued by local resorts. He says the sheriff's office was not contacted. Ah, they were excited to use their cool equipment. They all have airboats? Yeah, come on, let them use their stuff. Did you see, speaking of Venice, did you see the, the taxi boat that was stuck because yeah. all the water receded? Right. So it's just sitting on a street. It's in an alley. Yeah, in yeah. an alley. Yeah. Uh, from the Star Tribune, Super Shuttle is ending service at the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport, meaning travelers will have one less option for getting to and from the airport. The company notified uh, the Metropolitan Airports Commission this week that it'll stop service on Saturday, according to airport spokesperson Patrick Hogan. Is this one of these take-and-go bus things? I've never heard of it. Uh, Super Shuttle Chris transports groups of passengers headed in the same direction in its blue vans. Oh, okay. And bills itself as a cost-effective and environmentally friendly way of getting to and from the Minneapolis airport. Three years ago, the MAC, which operates the airport, created a legal framework for ride-sharing companies like Uber and Lyft to operate at MSP despite pushback from the taxi industry. Hogan says Super Shuttle saw a downturn in business because most people are using Uber and Lyft. With Super Shuttle's departure, passengers will have one last option. Other share ride services that provide transportation from MSP Airport to other cities, including Duluth, Rochester, Eau Claire, and points outside the metro area will continue service, according to Hogan. Calls to the local and national Super Shuttle offices seeking comment were not immediately returned. All right, who here's a Luddite? Uh, Me. Am, am, I the, uh, am I the only one that's never, ever taken an Uber or a Lyft? I never have. I have taken an Uber. I have taken a Lyft. Chris, I know you have. <clears throat> yeah, all of them. So it's yeah. you and me, Kenny. Just, and I will say that one night uh, going out uh, with my wife, and I think our oldest went out with us, uh, we Ubered. And that was that's the smartest thing you can do. There's will, no reason to drive like that. I will always, always take a cab over an Uber or a Lyft. Why? Always. Because I, Principal? Tr- I don't trust anybody who drives their own piece of bleep. Car no, wrong. you're wrong. You're yeah. wrong. Well, I know everybody says I'm wrong, yeah. and, and I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> Constantly, but I am. I am me, and that's how I'm going to hear be. me roar. Yeah, I won't let a kid I used to have take an Uber by herself. That is wise counsel. I tell every female: do not ever get into an Uber or a Lyft but by she yourself. She can take one if she's going with one of her buddies. Yes, if you're if you're not alone, that's fine. But if you are alone, do not take one by yourself. Even better, especially in this market, is a young lady who calls herself. She cab. Yes, absolutely. She drives a business car. She started out driving, uh, driving, I think, airport taxi. She's doing very well, I bet. And uh, she is a hell of a girl. Uh, she's got great, great prices and wonderful vehicles. Yep. So that's she as in C-H-E? C-H-E-Y. Has she got uh, people working for her now? I don't know. I don't know. Well, if she's got vehicles, it would suggest she has drivers she can call. I uh, sent my kid and a bunch of his buddies to a concert in downtown St. Paul with Shea Cab, and she's—I uh, think she only charged seventy bucks, and I ended up giving her over a hundred. 
because I was just so happy with her. She knows everything there is to know about every venue and every place in town, including the airport. She's on Twitter. She's on Facebook. Yep. Local, yep. Yep. Uh, That'll be a hundred bucks, Jay. Yeah, fifty nine sixty. Joe, you and I talk about this. We're frequently amused by the Kellyanne and George Conway uh, business that goes on there. You're talking about George Conway and Kellyanne. Yeah. What's her name? Conway. Uh, Conway. Yep. Yep. She's of course a, uh, a one of the president's principal advisors and uh, folks that he deals with. And George, her husband. Uh, is a very frequent critic. Maybe the most vocal critic yes. of the president. Well, uh, now, yesterday, uh, she was on CNN's uh, Wolf Blitzer show, mm-hmm. and uh, George, the night before, he had been on MSNBC right. saying some very bad things about the president. Uh, she uh, was on yesterday with Wolf, and uh, Wolf said, uh, why are you, or not Wolf, but she said, why are you talking to me about my husband? And he said, well, he's uh, George Conway's a legal scholar, and he was publicly going after the president on television. The Trump administration official, that'd be Kellyanne, then pushed for the reason she thought was really behind the question, which was that George Conway was married to her. Well, Wolf acknowledged that they just happened to be married, a phrasing she said struck her as odd. She later added that Blitzer shouldn't have told the audience that her marriage had, quote, issues, and asked what he knew that she didn't. Blitzer repeatedly asserted he didn't want to discuss her marriage, but wanted her reaction to the substance well, of she's right. comments. Well, she's right. That's a giant wink when she comes through the door. No. That's a giant wink. Yeah. They but, got but kids. They get along. They're worth a fortune. Leave them yeah. alone. Yeah. Who cares? And they're not the first power couple like that who are from different sides you know, of the world. Matlin and that Carmel. guy from outer space. Jim Cavill. Jim Cavill. <laughs> Jim Cavill. Yeah. That dog don't hunt. Why, is, why are they falling out of public view, I wonder? Because they're old as dirt, Joe. Old right. as dirt. They're, they're not referenced as much as they used to no. be. No. Elton John will be coming to Minnesota next summer as part of his farewell Yellow Brick Road tour. Happiest woman in the world lives across the street from me. Yeah? She's already got her tickets, I bet. Really? Yeah. <laughs> One of my first albums that I stole from my mom, Honky Tonk Chateau. Oh, great yeah. album. Yeah. It's a wonderful yeah. album. Have you guys this all is seen about him? his 10th uh, retirement tour? Yes. I, it's yeah. it's a long film. retirement yeah. tour, isn't yeah. it? I've it's never super. seen him, but I'd love to. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. You know what, though? I'd love to. I don't think he's that good in concert. He he doesn't oh, pander to the crowd. I mean to the crowd in between. Twice. I thought he was great. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, disagree. Well, you're well, wrong. You're I'm not going to argue. His music is great. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just telling you why you're wrong. When did you see him? I've seen him twice. He was at Met Center, and he was at XL. A long time ago. I saw him at Target Center with Billy Joel. Where or maybe he, he Target, played, that was Target Center. Was well, Target he Center. played to the crowd in that Jesus, one with Billy Joel. He must have been I just kick you? Watch it, jackass. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Did you guys play footsie under just, there? No, I, just, I was stretching my leg. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, Elton will be at the Any Excel hoops. Energy Center June 15th and 16th. Uh, he also uh, made a stop in Target Center back in February. His three-year tour, this is a three-year oh, Farewell, Yellow Brick Road oh Tour. Oh, my God. Wow. Is set to wrap up in 2021. <laughs> How old is he? 102. Boy, he's got to <laughs> be. See. Did you guys see Elton John. 75, probably. Did any of you guys see the uh, the movie? I no, did not. Rocket I did Man? Not. I did not. Rocket Man? Okay. I've heard good things about it, but... Uh, he was in the movie Tommy. Mm-hmm. He was in the movie Tommy, yes. 72. 72? 72. He'll be 73 in March. There's a string of about three or four albums. The early 70s oh, to mid 70s. So that means Incredible. he'll still be working yeah. when he's 76. No. He, the tour will conclude in 2021. 2021. 
Oh, I'm sorry, that's a three-year tour. I did say three-year tour that concludes in 2021. And he'll be 75. If I had, no. a, coin, if I had a coin, no. I'd throw yeah, it. Yeah, he'll be 75. He'll be 75. Who cares? Oh, my God, you guys. Do you guys know what Muscovy ducks are? Because I don't. I don't. No. I bet it has something to do with Russia. Uh, I don't know, but they're taking over a town in Texas. Oh, forget Russia. And residents are now being encouraged to trap or even shoot them in some cases. It's happening in the city of Perlin, Texas. It's allowing landowners and homeowners associations to address the ducks as seen fit, a fit and within legal parameters. I wonder what a Russian duck would sound Boy, like. They're very, very colorful. Well, this is quack, quack. <laughs> <laughs> this is how it sounds. <laughs> Strange, warty-faced Muscovy duck. Uh, why are they a plague, John? Well, uh, the Perland, by the way, and here's another thing I had to look up. There, Perland, the city, is a bird sanctuary city. Did mm-hmm. you know we had those? I did not, John. The, it's uh, cities where uh, you cannot harm any birds. Hmm. So uh, I, I'd never Except heard of for that. these ducks. Well, you can in this case because they're considered an invasive species from Central and South America, therefore not protected by the sanctuary city deal. How I bet they... I got Muscovy from Muscovite. That's where I put it. I'm sure. Yeah. How do yeah. they taste? The city says residents can only kill the duck if they capture it on their own property. Capture? There's... Capture, yep. They say it cannot be kept, consumed, or sold. Plus, the duck has to be destroyed by legal means. Uh, in Perlin City limits, the discharge of a firearm is generally, uh, generally illegal, but the city says if a duck is destroyed where use of a firearm is permissible, the person doing so must use non-toxic shot or non-toxic bullets. Hmm. The Muscovy you... is a friendly duck with a distinct personality. They don't like Aww. to be picked up and petted, but they still enjoy some human company. They are also said to be good with children. What the hell are we killing these ducks for? Bam! <laughs> wow. Come on, Bobby, watch this. <laughs> You're going to love this, kiddo. <laughs> Residents who don't have an issue with the ducks on their property are still strictly prohibited from feeding them. So if you have them. I ain't eating any invasive duck. No, I don't, uh, I don't eat duck. What are you eating? Chicken? Meatloaf? From Grunhoffers? There you go. Oh, did you have yours yet? <laughs> no, I'm cooking it over the weekend. What? How can you swear? Well, I'm on still it? because Johnny gave me the summer it. sausage. I've been gnawing on that all week. <laughs> I'm you know what Spencer's meatloaf. added to the menu? Uh, Free range fresh turkeys. Two ninety nine a pound, uh, from ten pounds to twenty six pounds. Now here we've never given you the uh, telephone number to Grunhoffers Old Fashioned Meats, but it might be wise counsel to jot this number down yep. and call ahead for your turkey because you're not going to find a better turkey. Six five one. 426-2800. That's 651-426-2800. Free range fresh turkeys from Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats at the north end of Hugo, right on Highway 61. You can't miss it. There's a great sign out front that's flashing GL. And we're all been, we've all been raving about the pre-made meatloaf, which is oven ready. And Hunter's uh, Grunhofer's have spices and high temp cheese for venison sausage making. Uh, Rook, you just had the homemade pastrami. Oh, it's fabulous. Uh, Johnny, Melted you've had off. the jerky and you oh, had the meatloaf, so and yep. it's just everything's good. It's the GL meat capital of the United States, and not to mention the foundation upon which Grunhofer's has built this magnificent institution is 130 different brats. Thin, uh, not thin, what's the word I want? Lean, Lean. pork brats that must be grilled. Not boiled, but every kind of meat, ham, bacon, turkey, fresh-range turkeys for uh, for Thanksgiving coming up. But apparently the demand will be uh, significant enough that uh, for the first time, Grunhoffers is suggesting that you give them a call. 
651-426-2800. Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats, north end of Hugo on Highway 61. One other thing that Grunhofer's does, as I found out the other day when I was there, John the GLer was talking with me. Spencer came out and John said, can you get me a side of beef? And... Spence said, sure, we can do that. And they went off into a corner to arrange that. So uh, It's a meat they, market, you dumb dumb. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah, what do you mean? You call it meat dumb? It's, a, it's like buying a car at a car dealership. It's first, uh, <laughs> not first, it's what do I want to say. It's the kind of outfit that will take care of you no matter what your demands are. Yeah. But was John right, looking but. for a sizable portion? Yes. Is that why it yes. was uh, I'm assuming. You? I didn't ask. It was John the GL. It was probably the Fred of. Flintstone style yeah, where he sits it on the side of the car. The you, they got, they're sitting there hanging there. They had, yeah, they already had some deer hanging in there Saturday. <laughs> so, uh, We often think of judges as being quiet, law-abiding folks who might be a little stuffy. Well, in Indiana... An alcohol-fueled evening that resulted in two Indiana county-level judges being shot in a White Castle parking lot has resulted in the two male judges and a female judge being suspended without pay. A judge fight. (laughs) Judge Andrew Adams was suspended for 60 days, while judges Bradley Jacobs and Sabrina Bell were suspended 30 days. This is fantastic. This is awesome. The Indiana Supreme Court declared the judges' actions that evening constituted judicial misconduct. According to the court, respondents' actions were not merely embarrassing on a personal level. They discredited the entire Indiana judiciary. Of the three judges, only Adams was criminally charged in connection with the case. He pleaded guilty in September to one count of misdemeanor battery, and that was uh, was sentenced to a year but had most of that suspended. The three judges were among those from throughout the state who had traveled to Indianapolis for a judicial conference. They went out drinking, and after a night of drinking, they headed to a White Castle. Because the nearby gentlemen's club they wanted to go to had already closed for the evening. Oh, that's late. <laughs> I yeah. just lost a very good, good friend, Steve oh. Rowe, 63 years old, federal magistrate. Mm. Now, I'm not saying he'd get into it at the White Castle parking lot, yep. but he'd have a chuckle at this story. <laughs> <laughs> he'd have a chuckle. <laughs> While they were in the parking hey, which, lot. Uh, which gentlemen's club do you guys want to go to? Yeah. He, the one uh, next to the White Castle. He'd have a chuckle. <laughs> Great living American, now dead. Well, in the White Castle parking lot, the trio got into an altercation with the driver and passenger of an SUV. That escalated when Bell, now that was Sabrina, right? That was the female judge. Yeah, they were taking yep. the chick with them to the strip club. The, huh? the female That's judge. That's idea. That's awesome. Too. Judge Bell gave the folks in the SUV the bird. You think they were wearing their robes? <laughs> <laughs> After they argued and fought in the parking lot, one of the suspects named Brandon Kaiser, he was in the SUV, grabbed a gun, ooh, ooh. shot Look Adams. Out. In the stomach and it's shot. Not funny, no. Well, yeah. it is because they're fine. Oh. And shot Jacobs twice in the chest. Both. That's, how can you be fine? Right. Hardy, you har, just got har. shot twice in the chest. Both Kaiser and his associate Alfredo Vasquez fled the scene, but were John, apprehended. You have a strange sense of humor. Yeah, John. you really they're, do. They're You're fine. Sick, okay, John. they're fine. They're You're out of the sick. hospital. They're fine. <laughs> John thinks it's funny as long as it's not him getting shot. The two judges <laughs> underwent surgery with Jacobs requiring a two-week hospital stay. Now they're both out and fine. Adams and Jacobs. We're each fought. Probably got the, tubes sticking out of them for the next six years. No, they oh, don't. Man, John. The two judges who were shot were found to be intoxicated when they got to the hospital. Uh, Adams and Jacobs both <laughs> issued apologies following their suspensions. As for the fellows that did the shooting, Vasquez sentenced to 180 days of home detention. He's not the fellow that did the shooting. Kaiser was. He was charged with 14 different crimes in this case, including eight. Felonies. He goes on trial in January. Fellas, if you were judges, would you ever 
put on a pair of pants under that robe. Hell no. I'd no. be in my underpants the no, whole time. I would. Maybe a wife beater. Bermuda like shorts, that. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Not sitting there in my drawers. I'd wear it everywhere, too. Yeah. You know, I'm a judge. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't tell. i got to get to the front of the line here. It's got to catch up the stains all over here it. Here right, the judge. Right, right. Thank you, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. Can I get some more mayonnaise over here? <laughs> Fratelloni's Ace Harbor and Garden Stores. Brings you this podcast. Mm-hmm. Got to get over to your store. I'm there. You don't have to worry uh, about me. Get your. Rock. I have a fiduciary responsibility to the place. They couldn't survive if I didn't show That's up. That's a good point. Get your roof rake there now before oh, they're point. sold out. They're going to be gone. I need a roof rake. I also need you to go to garagelogic.com to find out all the latest goings on. I think I'm going to go to. I'm going to go to Frats. I'm going to buy them out of roof rakes, and then I'm going to peddle them on Craigslist. <laughs> Damn it! I got to get there before you. <laughs> Don't go to St. Paul. <laughs> Thanks, Frat. You just gave me oh a great idea. <laughs> garagelogic.com is where you find Greg Holcomb's cartoons, Joe's bookshelf. What's Joe reading these days? And well, bloody genius. He's your bloody genius. Uh, give to the Max Day. Thanks for uh, donating to whatever charity you would like to. And uh, don't forget Table Talk with Rookie's Family, where Rookie has an accident in the studio. Phew.